So I was talking about the mic before this, and I asked him, you know, because growing up and um, when I took preaching classes in college, you know, you're supposed to write out your whole message and then practice it in front of a mirror, which was always just weird for me to do that, but it helped. But I asked him if whenever you did that, when you do that, and he said, I don't do it as much anymore, and he doesn't either. Um, you know, do you ever find yourself that you get really passionate practicing and then you get an appearance just like, like you don't, or anybody that's spoken to people before, spoken in front of people, you know, you prepare and you get really passionate and then you get up to do it and it's like, I just, I feel like I didn't do anything. <laughs> um, that's how I feel with this because it's something that I've been wanting to either write about or talk about, but it's something that I still don't know fully, which I don't know if that's a good thing for me to say before my message. Um, but it's, it's something that kind of started back last year whenever I stepped back from full-time ministry. And again, it was very difficult to do that. Um, and you guys, if you don't know the story, you know, because of that pleasant thing that happened now almost two years ago, which is just crazy to think that it's already almost two years. Um, COVID, if you didn't know what I was talking about. Um, I don't know when we're going to stop talking about that, but maybe never. But that happened, and you know that we had to shut down as a church, and first we did online, and we tried to live stream, and everything just went haywire. Um, and you know we had Brother Marcus to help with us with that, but because all these churches that weren't live streaming before in our area and just on the Facebook all went live on the same Sunday and it just crashed the servers. So that was the first problem was just Facebook couldn't handle it. And then even now, we tried to do outside church a few weeks ago and the internet just didn't want to work. It, just, it happens. But at that time, I wasn't where I was supposed to be spiritually. So normally when those things happen and if you're where you're supposed to be at spiritually, it's fine, right? It's the water rolling off the duck's back, so to say. But because I wasn't in the spot where I needed to be, it was very stressful. Um, and if, if those that were here during all that time, it was, very, it was a very stressful time. Um, and I think he's mentioned this before, he, Pastor only flipped out one time, which was, you know, I flipped out a whole lot internally. Um, and I think you guys know that I don't hide my feelings or my expression on my face very well. So if you don't, I never say how I'm feeling, but if you just look at my face, you'll know how I feel. It just shows very easily. Um, and during all that, it was just very stressful. And I wasn't getting fed. For first, I wasn't getting fed during the week, which is the most important time. We should be feeding ourselves daily by ourselves. Um, but especially on Sunday mornings, I was so um, focused on the people that were going to watch to make sure they get the message. I wasn't getting it myself when I should have just, you know, it was gonna happen anyways. Whether I did what I did or didn't do what I did, it was gonna happen. Um, but because I was so focused on that, the stress came and it built and it built and I just was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Because then it's like, what are you supposed to do now? We can't have a church, how are we supposed to do anything? Um, and that, you know, and um, you know, I did have a blow up moment at one point and that's when Pastor Me sat down for a couple, a few hours and we were like, you know, what do we do? Something has to change. And so that's when we figured out, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to be in full-time ministry. And again, the places I came from, that was just, that was it. Like, if you're not in full-time ministry, then you're not the best Christian that you're supposed to be. Which now I say that, I'm like, that's just horrible. 
But it was true that if you didn't go into Bible college, and I even, I had a conversation today with some people um, that, um, not even about church things, but just saying that, you know, back in the day, you know, if you didn't go to college and get a four-year degree, what do you do with your life? And so now we have all these trades and things that people make a good living can do good things, but you don't necessarily have to go to college to get those trainings. And so the same thing with, with Bible college and full-time ministry, you know, and what I'm going to get into tonight is identity. And I had, I had put my identity in being in full-time ministry. That if I, you know, and I remember, you know, when I first came to Eagle Drive, you know, one, we just didn't have the finances to have more than one full-time staff person besides pastor. Um, and I remember being part-time for a long time. And then in 2019, I was able to come on full-time and it was the greatest year ever. It was awesome. It was great. Like, oh, I can be here every day. I don't have to worry about missing out on things. I can do things I wanted to do, but that's why I put my identity in. And so when that was taken away, even though I understood I needed to stop being in full-time ministry, it was still, and still is, it's hard. It's difficult not being here and not doing the things that I was used to doing or put my, put my identity in. Um, so that's what, and through all that, Pastor Me went through a, a book study um, for about, I don't know, it was nine or 10 months. Um, and it's called The Truest Thing About You. Um, and it really helped me out. And I want to kind of use that book to, to bring up some pointers, but also uh, we'll be in Ephesians chapter one um, here in a few minutes. You want to turn there, Ephesians chapter one. Um, but so the title, if you're taking notes from the title, it's Who Are You? That's what, well, that's what we're going to talk about is, you know, who, who are you? Um, and we're going to find out, you know, who the truest you is. Um, the little game I wanted to play, um, don't go to the screens yet, but, you know, I think about how people define things, how we're defined by things. We're defined by what we do as a job. We're defined by where we come from. We're defined by if we have a mom, if we have a dad, if we, you know, whatever it is, we're defined by things of the world. And I think about people in Bible times. So I'm going to say a phrase, and I want you to tell the, the person in the Bible that first comes to mind, okay? So, ate the forbidden fruit. Most people said Eve. Somebody said Adam and Eve. So it is Adam and Eve, right? But Eve ate it first. I'm not going to say it was Eve's fault because we're way outnumbered by the women tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, right? Okay, so uh, the man after God's own heart. David, okay? Uh, climb the sycamore tree. Zacchaeus, okay? Jail with the... Jail with the... Nail. The spike, yeah. Jail, right? She... You guys remember that story in Judges? Is it Judges? It was Judges, yeah. Where she hammered the tent spike in the guy's temple? No? Jail with the nail. Look it up. It's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I have a couple of questions I want you guys to answer. So, what does the world say, okay, gives you as a person? So, what the world, don't give me the Christian church answer. Okay, that's, that's the right answer, but don't give me that. So, what does the world say gives value and worth to somebody? Money, okay. Career, job, popularity, right? How many followers you have on TikTok? Because that's, that's what's, and it's, it's true, like, right, how good you are at what you do. What else? Appearance. Appearance. Fame. Number of kids you have. You're, yeah. <laughs> You're really worth a lot. <laughs> yes. Oh. Oh. You have, yeah, you're good. Yeah. You are worth something, Mary. You have a lot of kids. 
Um, but yeah, there's lots of things that the world says give us worth. So, and I'll get into this more, but you know, let, let's say that having five kids is what makes somebody successful. Well, what happens when you lose three of them? Not like in Walmart, but you know, they pass, you know. <laughs> you're not a good parent, no. Um, but you know, if, and anything is, if you lose the money, if you lose the popularity, if you lose a thousand followers on TikTok, and there's people that do that, that they state their fame on how many likes they get on Instagram. Like if I don't get more than 50 likes, I'm just gonna take the picture down. I don't, you know, it's, it's crazy when you actually say these things, but it's true. Um, so I have a little game here. I have logos, okay, that you can't see the whole thing of a company logo. So if there's the word, the word's been taken out. Now it starts really easy, and then it progressively gets harder. So throw up the first one. Nike. Adidas. No. <laughs> Nike. Okay. The next one. Sprite. Sprite. Okay. Right. The lemonade. No. The lemon lime. Okay. Next one. Amazon. Amazon. Right. Not Amazon Prime. Just Amazon. Not everybody gets Amazon Prime. Next one. Everybody have a Motorola phone growing up? I used to have a Motorola Android, but I found salvation. You got an iPhone. Next one. Yes, TGI Fridays. Good job. Next one. They're getting harder. Yeah. Krispy Kreme. We need to start a uh, petition for a Chick-fil-A and a Krispy Kreme. In the same building. In the same building, that'd be awesome. Anybody have like, I know there's, there's stuff out there where you get like a donut chicken sandwich where like the buns are donuts. No? You eat chicken and waffles, we'll try with chicken and donuts. Oh, Next one. Yeah, right, anybody know the song, don't sing it? What's that one? Oh, next one, go ahead. Yeah, Tiffany and Company. There you go. Next one. Starbucks. Starbucks. I think it's the last. Is that the last one? Is there one more? Oh, that one. Dreamworks. Dreamworks. Right. So it's easy to find out just by seeing a little bit of what something is. is. That the last one? I don't know if there's. I can't remember how many I did. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Um, so it's easy to find things because that's and that's how they marketed it. Um, you've just seen it for so long, so things are defined easily. Um, so, defined means to set forth the meaning of or to clarify. Um, so, defining is what our life is. Um, so, I want you if, you, if you have a pen and paper, take a pen and paper out, okay? I want you to think of one word that defines you and write it down. Now, don't Put anything down that you can't say because I'm going to ask for some of them. Or if you just have one in your head, okay? What is one word that defines you, defines who you are? And it doesn't have to be a church Christian. It just, if everybody just says I'm a Christian, this is really going to mess up my whole illustration. Okay, so define one word who you are, what defines you? Who wants to go first? You can, but I don't have any prizes for teacher's pet. Yes? A Christian. Okay, there we go. We got out of the way, so nobody can say Christian. It's done. <laughs> Logan. 
How does that define you? That you're a nerd? I don't know. Yes. Cuckoo. Cuckoo, yes. Let's get an adult. Tasha. Piano teacher. Okay, that defines her. A mom. Prima ballerina. Yes. A gamer. Huh? I don't know what he's saying. Oh, a violist? Would that be the? You are short. Yes. Grandma. Who else? A loser. I will not confirm nor deny. Iron Man. Yes, Aaron is Iron Man. You just gave out your secret identity. You're supposed to say you're, supposed to say you're Tony Stark. Who had? Bookworm. A slave? We will not dig into that deeper. Reliable. Okay, now I want you to look at the person next to you and have them tell you a word that defines you. And then I want you to tell me what that person said. Does that make sense? So have the person next to you define you. <laughs> I'm sure she has something in mind. Yeah. All right, so tell me what that person next to you said. Stephanie, you're saying what he said to you. You're hardworking. Well, that's good. It's a lot better than I thought could. That's true. That is true. We won't say who the other kid is. Any, who else? You are grandma, okay? Anybody, anybody get like a really crazy answer? Huh? Called you what? Sassy, yes. Lovable, okay. Mia? She's crazy. Crazy, okay. Teenager. Noisy. Okay. Randy, what were you told? He's not studious. He doesn't have to study. He just sits there and gets A's. Not cool. Anybody else? But she also said you're a Karen, right? Oh, Karen. Okay. That's different. You're a tomato. Anybody else? Determined. Okay. So yeah, so obviously, and that's, those of you that said you're a grandma, you're a mom, you're noisy, those things are true, right? A prima ballerina, that's a true thing. That's, it's not saying, it's not, nothing that was said tonight so far was a lie. She looks like a tomato. Look at her face. Okay? So all those things are true about us. Okay? I am a Yankee. You may not like it. Learn to live with it because it's true. I'm sorry. You all are Texans. I guess I'm a Texan. I've been here almost eight years now. My brother Mike's a Mexican. So, and he, people still think we're brothers. I don't understand. Opposite. Yeah, um, but that's not 
what that book and what we're going to talk about tonight is what is truest about us. So when someone asks you, here's one more question before we dive into it. When someone asks you, who are you? Like, let's say somebody just walks up to you in Walmart and says, who are you? What would you say? Name? Okay, mostly you'd say your name. Okay, but you know, it's true, but again, what is truest? So what we're going to talk about is not what defines us, but what doesn't define us. So look at Ephesians chapter 3. Like we're going to read a few verses in Ephesians 3. Uh, starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And if you remember, um, I don't know if it was a year ago that pastor started, maybe a year and a half ago, he started preaching through Ephesians. And he went through identity. And there was all those things that are, that's in this chapter that we are. And again, the things that we said we are, a grandma, a mom, a ballerina, crazy, cuckoo, whatever it was, they're all true. But it's what is in the Bible that what God says is that what's the truest. And there's so many things that, again, like I did, I attached my identity to working at a church full time. Which again, I was in full time ministry. That was true. But that's not what was true. It's not what I should not have been anchoring my identity in. Um, so the first thing is what doesn't define you is what we do. So how do we know that we matter? Okay, so not Christianese. How do we know that we matter? What? Somebody shows they care. Okay, when you get paid for your job, right? Okay, if you went to work and then you get paid for like three weeks, probably like, uh, what's going on? Um, that shows that, you know, that we matter. Um, and I know Pastor talked about this recently, but you know, the Christian life is not about a set of rules. It's not about what we do. Now, yes, there are commands in scripture, but we sometimes, um, again, focus too much on that instead of just letting Christ change us from the inside out. A lot of times we try to change ourselves from the outside in. If I change my look, if I change um, how I feel, if I change what I do, then I'm going to get happier. That works for a time, right? You, you're tired of your job, so you quit and you get a new job. This is great. New people to work with. I like my boss. And then in a month's time, I don't like who I work with and I hate my boss. It's, it just happens. Um, so again, those things we do are temporary. Um, God doesn't want us to live wondering if we did enough. We just need to fully devote our life to him and everything will fall into place where it needs to. Um, I think about back, back in the olden times where you got last names for what you did, right? There's bakers, smiths, uh, millers, people like that. And that's how, that's how they knew who they were. Um, 
And again, some people think that change starts from the outside in. Uh, if I do this or don't do this, it will change who I am. And I saw, I think it was a tweet, I can't remember who tweeted it, Brother Mike might be able to know, I don't know. I think it was Stephen Cox, a pastor over in South Carolina. But he said, we sing the song, just as I am, hoping God accepts us as we are, but we don't do the same for someone coming to church just as they are. I'm gonna say that again, I'm gonna talk about it for a minute. But we sing the song, just as I am, hoping God accepts us as we are, but we don't do the same for someone coming to church just as they are. So you, you come to church, you know, and I don't know if, if, you're, if you, you know, let's say that you hadn't been in church all of your life. I don't know if there's people here that, you know, didn't grow up in church. But when you first came to church, just remember that. I remember when I first visited Eagle Drive. Um, it was a time where um, I was going through separation in my marriage and other things like that and having to lose a job at a church. And um, I remember first coming into Eagle Drive. Again, you came through about that wall over there. Um, which was one awkward experience that was just so weird. But I remember coming in and I had just lost my job at the church the Wednesday before. You know, I had just gotten separated. So first I was like, you know, I don't know who, if somebody knows me there, like how am I going to tell them why I'm here, what's going on, where's my wife, all those things that uh, was coming into play. Um, and again, growing up, every service I wore a suit. That's just what I did. That's all I knew. Um, I didn't wear a suit, and I was so afraid of, like, what if they're all in suits? I'm going to feel really weird and embarrassed and awkward. And I came in, like, oh, there's jeans and ladies wearing pants. That was just, like, a big deal for me, which I know you probably think, like, oh, that's just weird. But ladies wearing pants wasn't a thing for me growing up. It wasn't. Um, and I just remember coming in, it's like, this is, you know, it's a normal church. And I think about that, you know, what if everybody was in suits? You know, I, I would think some people that had visited maybe didn't feel comfortable in coming back. And so we, and Pastor can talk about this Sunday about, you know, prejudice in church. And again, we go, oh, we're not prejudiced in church, but we can be. You know, the person comes in and they don't look right, or maybe they, maybe they stink a little, whatever it is, you know, and we think, oh, you know, and there's that, that scripture, that um, story in the Bible talks about how, I think it's in James, where there's somebody comes in in nice apparel, and, you know, you set them aside, hey, come sit at this seat here. But then there's somebody who comes in that doesn't look as great. Okay, we're going to put you in the back corner. And it talks about putting them almost in the dark, where, you know, let's, let's shove them in the cry room so they can still enjoy the service. I'm about to start crying. Um, they can enjoy the service, but they're not seen. Let's put them in there so nobody that comes in can see them, but they can still enjoy the service. They can still be here, but let's kind of tuck them away. But then we put the people that, oh, they probably have money. So if we treat them nice then maybe they'll give us money. And that's not how it should be. We treat people, again, we ask God to, to take us, right? Just as we are, and we're just as broken as that person is. And that's where um, legalism comes into play where, well, I'm wearing a tie, I have my Bible with me, they're using a phone for their Bible, I'm a better Christian than they are, but then they're probably reading the Bible on their phone more than I'm reading the actual Bible that I have in my hand. Um, so again, what we do doesn't define us, truly. Now, what we do does define us. Again, the job you have, I'm uh, an engineer, I'm a school teacher, I'm whatever it is, that does define you, that is true about you, but that's not what is truest. And again, 
if you stake your identity in what you do, it gets taken away, well then who are you? Who are you anymore? You don't know. And that's what my problem was, is I staked my identity again in full-time ministry and then I stepped away from it. Well, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm just floating in the cosmos, just whatever, whatever, whatever comes. But that's not how God wants us to live. Um, secondly, what you have doesn't define you. And yes, part of that is possessions, but it's more than that. It's about parents, family, you know, whether you grew up in a single household, single parent household, whatever it is. Um, and, you know, the problems you have, the possessions, the relationships, the past relationships, um, what you've done in the past. Um, you know, we are not defined by what has happened in our lives or what we feel we missed out on. Anybody know what the phrase FOMO is? Right? Fear of missing out. Okay, we have a couple cats at our house that have FOMO. Everybody knows Sal, right? Little Sal? Yeah, the cat that was brought home that should not have been brought home, but now he just <laughs> stays there forever. Okay? It's all her fault. And Colin's fault. It is Colin's fault. He's the one that stashed it into the car. But, but now you try to get rid of him, and she's like, no. We're keeping him. Like, okay, whatever. He has FOMO. Like, a very, very severe case of it. Like, the second somebody gets up, he's just... Well, one, he wants his food because he's a fat cat and needs to eat. But he just follows people. He has to be by somebody seeing what they're doing. If we're doing something on the table, he'll get up on the table and he'll be like, what are you doing? Huh? What? You know, she was trying to put that puzzle together and he'd just come lay in the middle of the puzzle. Just like, hey, you know, it's just like, get out, get off. And you try, like the other cats get on the table and you can kind of just shoo and they'll get off. But he just sits there like, I'm not moving. I'm not going to move. So you have to always pick him up and set him down. But I think about that, you know, what we have or don't have doesn't define us. And again, there's, you know, there's been those millionaires and billionaires that have been interviewed later on in their life. And they say, you know, what's one thing you wish you had? I just wish I had more money. I just wish I had more cars, whatever it was. They just, at the end of their life, they had all this money, but they just wished for a dollar more. And so, again, what we have or don't have that should not be where our identity lies. Um, thirdly here is what we desire. What we desire doesn't define us. Uh, we can't base our identity in what we desire because our desires always change. Just like what we do can go away, what we have can go away, and what we desire. Anybody desire to eat healthy sometimes, right? I think we all desire. Okay, now if I had a whole, if this whole thing right now Okay, this tall was cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory. All those that just said you desire to eat healthy, who would come and take a bite at least? Okay, <laughs> okay, or whatever it is, whatever your guilty pleasure is. Okay, it could be brownies, it could be, I don't know, whatever it is that's unhealthy. Okay, our desires change, right? One day we wanna, I'm gonna eat healthy today. I'm gonna have water all day and that's all I'm gonna drink. Yeah, it changes. Like either you're like, I did not sleep right, so I need some caffeine. And so it changes, our desires change. So because of that, again, we can't stake our identity in what we desire. Uh, one of the quotes from the book says, uh, when we take any one of our strongly felt desires and construct our identity around it, we discover that we are making a part of who we are into the whole of who we are. Because what you desire is just a little part 
of who we are. Again, it's, it's true, you know, whatever it is, but that when we stake everything in that, when we construct our identity around it, it takes a part of us into the whole. Um, there is not inherently a problem with certain desires, right? If we desire to eat healthy, it's not a bad thing. But the problem is with defining your identity by what you desire. And building our identity on the foundation of what we desire guarantees that our identity will change every time our desires change. But when you come to Christ, no matter the shape of your desires, you are given a new identity. Um, and another quote he said is, when we make anything our identity, those things stop being good things. So even though they're good things, eating healthy, whatever it is, you know, wanting to um, save money, all those things are good things. But when they become our identity more than Christ, that's when they are not good things anymore. So I can't just leave you there, right? I mean, that'd be kind of like, not cool to just give you all these negative things. Okay, go deal with it yourself. Um, go over to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And this, I, you know, these are one of those passages where you've just heard it all your life, right? You can quote all these verses and you read it and, um, you know, you maybe not hear it preached a lot, but you just hear it. You know, okay, Genesis 1, that's creation. Okay, moving on, right? And not really until um, Pastor me went to this Bible study, we talked a lot about it, did I understand what this verse was actually talking about. Look at verse number 27 of Genesis 1. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And so there's, there's a term that I always mess up saying, but I think I finally figured it out, is the imago Dei. And so what it, what it basically means is his image, is God's image. And so, again, what we do, what we have, and what, desire, what we desire, we can't let those things identify us. When we go back to the scriptures, and when we realize in Genesis 1.27 that our identity is just, we're God's image. And so all those things that we put our identity in, that we put our stake in, that, again, are true. And that's, that's what's the problem with the world, is that I am this. Because they don't know the Imago Dei. They don't know that they're originally created in God's image, and that's all we need. All this stuff that he gives us is just extra things, right? Being a mom, being a grandma. You know, I've heard it say, you know, that if we were the only person on earth, Jesus still would have died for us. And it's true, because it says, whosoever, everybody. So yes, those things are good, being a mom, all those things, you know, having a job. But even if everything's taken away, we're still God's image. We're still exactly who he wants us to be. And again, it's so difficult. Like I, I say it, you know, and Pastor said this before, that he's, he preaches the sermons and he says the things, but then it's, it's, it's mind-blowing when you think about it. Like this week, like at nighttime, I've just been sitting in my bed like thinking and thinking and thinking, not being able to sleep about this stuff because it's so easy when you just say it, but then when you actually try to live it, it's hard, right? Because we, we get in here in church and we hear it and we get pumped up, so to say, and then what happens? We leave out the door and life happens, right? We have to go back to work on Monday. Everybody, anybody like Mondays? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> School's out, so it doesn't matter for the summer. Um, but we, 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 we come into church and we get 
we get invigorated and we, we know, okay, I'm going to go this week. And again, it's a desire. And desiring to see people save is a good thing. But again, we can let things come in place of that and we can really have a desire for, but then circumstances happen and we just forget all about it. And I'm just as guilty as anybody. That's why like, I've been struggling with this because I don't feel like I can say this because I haven't been living it myself. And I can say I'm a lot better than I was a year ago when COVID happened, but I'm nowhere near where I know I need to be. And I think that's, I mean, that's gonna happen for forever, but I know there's things that I struggle with that I need to get better at. Um, but again, we come in and life happens and then we just forget and we, we know it. In the back of my mind, I know I'm God's image. I know it. But then we let things come in place of that and we just, we don't know what to do. Um, and I think about the disciples, you know, they gave up everything. You know, they were fishermen, they were tax collectors, which that was true about them, but they gave that up and they fully followed Christ. And, you know, he talked about it, um, he'll be talking about it soon here, that Acts chapter 17, when they, they turned the world upside down. And that's what can happen with us. And I think about things like that, and I think about, you know, he's been talking about Paul on Sunday mornings, and I'm just like, I can't do that. You know, and I'm kind of glad that we can't hear Paul's messages, and I'm sure I'd really feel like not adequate at all. Because I, I could just imagine, or like Peter, when he preached at Pentecost, and 3,000 souls came to Christ. It's like, I can't top that ever. That's not going to happen ever, but it can. And the same people that are in the Bible, they're the same as us. They're, they're, they're no different. You know, a pastor, he's special, but he's not special. He's special in a weird way, but he's not, he's not you know, he doesn't have more of the glory of God on him than we do. You know, when we get saved, it's the same for everybody. It's not that because you got saved in a Baptist church on a Sunday morning in a suit, you have more of the glory of God on you. It, it's not. If you got saved on your bed with your parents, it's the same glory that falls on everybody else. And so again, it's, it's hard because you feel so inadequate and I feel so inadequate all the time. I do, but it's because I'm staking my identity in something besides the Imago Dei. Um, anybody else ever feel like you're not enough? Yeah, okay, it happens, right? It's life because we see people and you know, oh, I, I wanna be like them, which that's, it's good to be, you know, wanting to be better, but then we think, oh, I can never do that. But you can, you know, I can never teach that class like he does, or I can never um, teach the kids like she does. Well, you can. Um, and it's just letting the Lord work through you in that. Um, one more verse, and I'll close with this. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. We talk about, you know, people having more of the glory of God on, on them than other people. And Second uh, Peter 1, verse 3 says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So when we're saved, God gives us all the knowledge and all the virtue that we'll ever need. It's already there. You know, it's not like he gives us a little bit of knowledge and power and then once we get to be a two-star Christian, then he gives us a little more. And then a three-star Christian, he gives us a little more. And then when we get to ten stars, it's like, boom, you've made it. You know, here's heaven's gates. I don't know. But it's not like that. It's, you know, we're already given everything we have. And so 
we strive and strive and strive to do better when he's already given us everything. Uh, when we fill our life with what we think we need to be there, we have no room for Christ. We have to do more than just go to church for Christ to fill our vessel. And there was a, an illustration I watched this week, and I was going to try to get it up here, but I wasn't able to. But there was a, a clear vase, Voss, however you want to say it, and he had filled it with all these ping pong balls. Um, he was saying, you know, this is just our life, our relationships, our family, our job, everything. That's just, just a full thing of ping pong balls. And he was like, okay, now he had a, a big pitcher of water. And he said, okay, now this is, this is Christ. So we have our life, and we're going to put Christ in it. And so he, he filled it up, and it started filling up. And some of the balls came out, and he filled it about halfway to where he could see the ping pong balls and the water. And he said, you know, this, we have some Christ. It's there, but it's not the whole thing. And he was talking about, you know, he said that, you know, from a distance, you know, what are people going to see? The water or the ping pong balls? And they were bright orange ping pong balls. People are going to see the ping pong balls. When if you're far away, you're not even going to know there's water there. And yes, we get a little bit of Christ, right? We come to Sunday morning church. We come to Wednesday night. We read a little bit of the Bible. We listen to some worship music in our car rides to work. And there's a little bit of there, but there's still all of this on top. So the world, all they see are all our problems, our relationships, our ping pong balls, and they don't see Christ. And so what he said is you just have to keep pouring Christ. And eventually he poured so much water that just all the ping pong balls just left the vase. And so that's what we have to do. We have to focus on that and to know that we have to fully involve ourselves with Christ and let him fully come through our life and not just where we want him to be. Because that's easy, right? Okay, I'll give him this over here. I'll take this ping pong ball out. I'll take that relationship that I know isn't a good relationship. I'll throw that aside. But I like these other ones. They make me laugh. They help me out. That's good. And again, relationships aren't bad, right? If we're never going to talk to somebody and have a relationship, how are we going to share with them the gospel? But we, we prioritize all those things above Christ, and that's what all the world sees instead of seeing him. So again, I felt very inadequate talking about this tonight, but it's something that I've struggled with, something that I still struggle with, but it's something that I'm getting better at to know where our identity truly lies, and not letting the things either in the past, the things that are going on in our life, the things that are going to come in our life to define us. And to know those things that we do, those things that we have, those things that we desire can all change. And so when those things are taken away, you know, I think about Job's life. And, you know, he was a father, he was a husband, he was a worker, but God took all those things away. And if he hadn't been as faithful as what the Bible says, who knows what the story would be. You know, if that had happened, you know, let's say that story did happen and Job just completely failed. It may not even be in the Bible. We might not even have a whole book of the Bible. Or it may be in there and just be like, don't do what Job did. It's bad. Um, but he had faith in God and he had his priorities right and he knew who he was identity-wise. And so he was able to go through the tests and through the trials. And God did bless him. And I'm not saying that if you trust God, he's going to bless you with 20 kids instead of five. <laughs> I don't know if that's a blessing or not. Um, but, you know, he did get a double portion after he had, you know, gone through all those trials. And so we have to just take our identity in that and to know that things are going to change, right? That's just the world. That's just how it is. But we have to know and we have to put our identity in what won't change. And that's Christ. That's God. That's the Imago Dei. That's the person that gave us our identity in the first place. And so we put it there and it's above everything else, then we won't falter. 
and we'll want to, right? The flesh is going to want to falter when things come into our life and we don't know what's going on. We don't know where our next paycheck's going to come from. We don't know how we're going to pay the water bill, whatever, whatever it is that comes up. But we know that God can take care of us no matter what happens. And if we put our identity in that and so those other things, um, you know, life will be better and we'll be able to have a better testimony of what did happen. And I know there's times in life where you know, you go through something, and God can use that as a testimony to know, yes, this happened, um, it was horrible, but I passed the test. And, you know, I don't want to get to heaven and to say, I failed all the tests. I want to be able to say, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that I was able to stand when I needed to and trusted you, and you took me through it. Um, so I hope, you know, that this was good tonight and to know that, um, you know, I know we struggle on things. I know that life comes in and we don't know what's going to happen, but to know that there is God that gave us our identity and to know that there's a purpose. And again, that can be a big question. Is, you know, why are we here on this earth? Uh, but that's to glorify God through whatever it is. Glorify God through the tragedies. Glorify God through the blessings. Um, and, you know, we can show that to people to know, you know, why are you so happy when you just lost your job? Because I know that it wasn't my job in the first place, and God's going to get me another one or give me whatever I need. And we, that can be a testimony to people um, to know that we have a God that we can serve that will get us through it. Let's go ahead and pray and close tonight.